And, you know, the whole discussion is like, well, what do we do with these nutty right wing people? And, you know, it literally does like, and, and this is summer, not, not her. It, it literally lands on, you know, we need to put these people on welfare and, you know, they'll be fine. Like we need to expand, like we need to build back better. And it just, it, it really misses the discontent. You know, people don't want to just be warehoused. No, I know. Listen, yeah. we're, we're at an hour. Let's let's okay. say right here that this is where we're going to stop for the public, and let's continue on for another half an hour, forty five minutes for for the patrons to talk about okay. this in a more informal way. We've been talking about it this pretty informally so far. This is Pop the Left. This week, it's been off for a while. I haven't done it in a bit, uh, but it's back. It used to be a, a podcast that I did regularly with uh, C. Derek Varn. Varn has left. I've been looking around for a co-host to replace him. Perhaps I found that co-host today. It's Spencer Leonard. No, Spencer's saying no. But um, he is the editor-in-chief at Sublation Magazine is a former or still the 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 founder of uh, platypus the platypus affiliated society uh historian a professor um all-around erudite person and educated man um who will help me uh as i try to understand the politics of the moment and the politics of history so um spencer welcome to i guess one of the times that you will be my co-host on pop the left thank you for doing it today at least no problem. Um, yeah. Just let me say at the beginning that, um, you know, first of all, I'm, I, I would not ever want to be called the founder of Platypus. Um, really, the people who formed the organization were the young people who sort of recruited uh, Chris Catrone to that. Um I was actually out of the country when, when Platypus was founded, but I was a old uh, friend and, and interlocutor with Chris, and that carried on into the founding of Platypus. He, someday I'm going to have to go back and find all the emails that he wrote me about the founding of Platypus. He sort of gave me a blow-by-blow. Blow. I used to have to go to internet cafes in India to get online and I would get these long emails from Chris where he's telling me all about it. Uh, I'm sort of an OG, I guess, um, in, in platypus. We, we sometimes refer to sort of the, uh, generation zero, the older people, the people of Chris's generation mm -hmm. of which, of which there are three. And I am the youngest of those sort of three older brothers of platypus or, father figures of platypus or whatever we are, mm -hmm. uh, Chris Catrone and, and, and Richard Rubin and myself. Mm -hmm. And I also would want to say that, um, you know, I'm not going to speak here as the editor of Sublation Magazine because uh, I, I wrote the um, editorial statement of the magazine in collaboration uh, with my fellow uh, editor, editorial staff, and 
that emphasizes the open forum character of Sublation Magazine. And I wouldn't want anyone to imagine that any uh, view that I articulate here uh, would be translated into an editorial line for the magazine, that they would have to agree or disagree or something like that. I mean, they could certainly disagree and I would be willing to publish that. Um, but, you know, that doesn't, you know, my editorial line is defined there uh, and not by any set of views that I have uh, to express here and now about the history of the left or about current affairs. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so you and I were going to talk about um, sedition or, you know, really a broader set of questions that came out of uh, your really the opening segment of the Sublation Magazine show, mm -hmm. uh, which launched last week. Um, so do you want to? Yeah. I'll, I'll, well, I mean, I, what I tried to say in that show was what I thought was a fairly standard kind of liberal uh, interpretation of uh, so the kind of civil liberties that you'd want in a democracy, uh, the separation between speech and action that you'd want to protect and what the left should, how the left, left should position itself in relationship to these hearings. Um, not so much, but, but I don't know, maybe, you know, I, I was speaking not entirely off the cuff, but, you know, I wrote up my notes rather quickly, maybe an hour before the show. And so mm -hmm. perhaps I wasn't as clear because you, you referred to me not entirely unfairly, but not as charitably as I would have liked as a, a, a touting a, an anarchist line um, from, you know, it's like some sort of holdover from the 90, my 90s days as a would-be anarchist bomb thrower. Um, and uh, I, I, right. I took exception to that. Uh, so I thought, hey, why don't we discuss this on Pop the Left? Um, and f for me, uh, I feel as though, like what I tried to set up was that there was a right to revolution um, that we would want to, as as socialists we would want to hold on to but that right to revolution was not necessarily a right to violence um it certainly wasn't a right to individual violence right individual acts of violence um but it was a right to um organize theorize speak about um and 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 try to enact a politics of revolution uh, politics of overthrow of the current regime, whatever that regime might be, that we have a uh, that the individuals have the right to work on such a project. Right. Um, that and that's that's what I was trying to protect. Um, right. So, and there and there is a sedition law today. Um, it's not the same as it. Which maybe we should talk about the way sedition. And treason, those ideas, those concepts have been dealt with historically, at least in America. Um, so, um, you know, I think, you know, that, um, you know, it's, it's, these are, these are very, you know, troubled waters. And I think that history is, you know, is a good guide um, to thinking about them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, I certainly, you know, the, you know, one phrase that was used in that discussion that I think is not helpful is, is violent overthrow. Um, you know, I, we have to 
come to terms with the fact that um, in our constitutional order that does take us back into the 18th century and was very much at issue uh, from the very founding of the country. Um, you know, the, the question is that we overthrow the government Everything. You know, you've got a fly in there, and, I, and it's reminding of Indiana Jones. So you should. Right. Yeah, and I, I, so, so give. Let's it's take hard to out. Beat nature. It's hard. It's hard to <laughs> beat nature outside the house. Yeah. No, in, I understand. In um, yeah, um, so no, no trouble. I just wanted to. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah. cut this part out. So keep going. So you said. So, so, about, over, so over, you know, we real you know we reelect a new government right every four years. There it is again, um, <laughs> and. You know, that is a peaceful overthrow of the government, right? Mm -hmm. That is going to be the constitutional way of thinking about this, that on the left, we would want to take very seriously. Um, and, and so there's a, you know, a set of liberal provisions of, 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 of rights that are tied to the ability of society to transform itself and, you know, to, to bring into being, you know, a form of government that is adequate to its self-transformation, right? So, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, and, and all of these, or many of these core rights that are enumerated for Americans as the Bill of Rights uh, were discussed in, in your podcast with Ashley, in your discussion with Ashley, Right. So in that, you know, right off the bat, uh, the right of assembly came up with respect to January 6th. Um, Ashley brought up the, the right to bear arms. And then that came that came up kind of by default again with a shift to discussing mass shootings, uh, which were, you know, just a few weeks ago, we had a, a spate of those uh, in America and also the right of free speech came up um, and you know also January 6th would raise the issue of, of, of right to to due process of law and of um, immunity from cruel and unusual punishment. Um, you know all of these things are at issue and, and we are of course you know obviously facing a, a situation where the right is raising these issues. Um, you know that the right is in effect asserting the right to assemble, the right to bear arms, the right of free speech, uh, the right to due process of law. And I, I feel like you kind of are conflating revolutionary change or the overthrow of government with the uh, pro the with the process of government itself when you when you equate uh, the the electoral process with overthrow that 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 electoral process is a function of government of this government and to overthrow the government might mean to set up an entirely different mechanism for uh, determining who's going to be in leadership positions and who's going to pass laws and uh, where those laws will have, uh, you know, jur uh, jurisdiction right. and so forth. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, first of all, there'd be the question of like how have American socialists thought about, the prospect for socialist revolution in the United States, given the constitutional order under which we live. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can postpone that 
for a minute, uh, you know, and just think about, you know, this question of the right of revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, this is a very, you know, I would say that, you know, if we think about the revolution of 1776, that, you know, it is a, of course, it's a revolution. Um, it had vastly transformative effects uh, in world history. And in, in that historian's sense, we'd want to say, you know, by all means, it's a revolution. But how did it talk about itself? Right. It talked about itself as a reaction to it. It, it, it spoke of it, it, it in the Declaration of Independence. Jefferson and whoever helped edit the declaration say, you know, look, this is a response to a long train of abuses. Right. The king has made war on his people. Right. He in, in that sense, it's an act of the self-defense of society. And to the extent that it involves the overthrow of the government, it's because the government has ceased to express the sovereignty of society, right? It, it, it is an assertion, in other words, an assertion of the right of revolution is an assertion that of the necessity that the general will, to put it in Rousseauian terms, be expressed in the institutions of law and the enforcement of the law. And the, it takes, it took a very long time, of course, for the, for the colonists to come to the view that the King wasn't just being badly advised, that it wasn't just that the parliament was passing bad laws like the stamp act um, or the intolerable acts, et cetera. Uh, but that the king himself was ceasing to uphold the law, right? That was the assertion of the right of revolution, right? And in effect, and in, in liberal terms, you know, how do you know when the government has ceased to embody the general will of society? Well, you, and you go up against it. Well, you don't, it, you know, liberals, would call that an appeal to heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, well, that's you, from Locke, the appeal to heaven. That's from, that's from Locke, but that's the standard idea that goes right into Kant. Um, you know, if you if you read on the common saying that that's very good in theory, but doesn't work so well in practice, he takes this up and he says, well, you know, and, and he wrote that at the time of the French Revolution, and he says, in effect, well. You're a traitor if you lose, and you're a founding father if you win, right? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you adjudicate that question? Well, history adjudicates that question, right? But when we're you know, and 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 the other you know important example um, in American history would be our second revolution, uh, the U.S. Civil War. And the U.S. Civil War was fought to uphold the authority of the federal government right, against an act of sedition, um, against a traitorous rebellion, against the authority of the federal government. Um, and, and so, you know, that, you know, it, 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 the justification for it is very, 
you could say conservative. Mm -hmm. I, I just wonder about opens the door to what was in many ways a more transformative revolution than the founding revolution. Uh, you know, certainly as far as the Constitution is concerned, you know, the 14th Amendment is absolutely crucial to to the way we live in the, the, the order of law today. Uh, so, you know, the, again, it's a question of self-defense. Right. And and the the rejection of the claim, you know, the rejection of claims by rebels and traitors to um to represent the general will just because they don't like the law that happens to be passed uh, or the president who happens to be elected. Right. So yeah, about sedition, right. The well, hold on, hold go on. Ahead. All right. So, so um, I, uh, I, I want to go back to the, 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 this idea that you're a uh, founding father, if you win or a traitor, if you lose um, and just, be a little skeptical of that claim if I can be, because it seems to me that if we hold that the general will is something that comes from the, the free cooperation association uh, and development of the collection of individuals in society, that, it, that the foundation for society are free individuals, not some uh, ordained collectivity that's that's um, you know d determined either by ethnicity or geographic boundaries or religious participation or any other national basis right or or other basis but rather the individuals that then freely associate and, and and work collectively that you know if we if we hold that that's the foundation for this right to revolution then after if you lose Maybe you'll be charged with crimes, but you're not a traitor to anything. I, I wouldn't oh. seem to me because you you because well, you're except you know that you're uh, that to go against the general will is like the right of an individual to or try to organize and shape and change the general will is the right to revolution is is the right to to for I, I, this is very tricky. I mean, I would say that you know. First of all, to, con to conceive of ourselves as members of society doesn't require us to ethnicize or religiousize or nationalize that notion. Mm -hmm. uh, right. I didn't say I didn't say it did. I said we could we could do that on the found on the basis of being free individuals. Okay, not not right. on the basis of the, the freedom itself is a product of society. Sure. Uh, Right. It's, it's, it's of our a, collective organization and, and free uh, association. Right. And I would say that it is, you know, we have created a society whose collectivity is expressed through the freedom of individuals. And that's very new, right. Mm -hmm. That, that never existed in earlier forms of, of, of civil, civilization, much mm -hmm. less our, pre-civilized hunter and gathering past, right? Where you could just be banished from society and that would be like a social death, right? Or the whole of society could just democratically say, well, you know, we don't like the way that you string your guitar or we don't like the way that you raise your children. And there were no rights of individuals. We have rights as individuals. And, and one of those rights 
is, and this is where I'm very sympathetic to what you're saying, is that we have the right to dissent. And that includes all the way down to the right of the individual. Mm. Uh, you know, you could be the only person who's right. Mm. And we, we recognize that, or we tr we're supposed as to the extent that, you know, of course we're, we're talking now about liberalism and liberalism is in crisis. Right. Mm. <laughs> But we're talking about liberalism. We're talking about the what we mean when we invoke something like the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And you know, we we believe you know, and this is integral to the right of free speech, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, that you know, I, I I often tell my students this. I say everything that you believe at one time, only one person thought, mm -hmm. right. So you better be careful about misinformation and disinformation and authorizing people to be the guardians of your conception of what's right and what's true and what's moral, etc. You know, et um, and obviously the left to the extent that it's just absolutely sunk in the Democratic Party and absolutely sunk in, therefore, in the anti-Trump hysteria, mm -hmm. has lost its way entirely on these basic issues and become profoundly illiberal and thereby bid farewell to the entire history of the American left. Mm -hmm. The entire history of the American left is an upholding of the Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. you know, it, what are you talking about? Like you are in a minority, so you need rights to protect your ability to speak. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our claims about, you know, the desirability and possibility and necessity of socialism, for instance, are in the minority, like radically in the minority. Mm -hmm. Right. They, you know, and they're going to say that you're opposing the American way of life or, you know, they said in the 50s, this is un-American. Um, you know, they, mm -hmm. they've said it to the left and, and you were invoking this past of state repression mm -hmm. of, of dissent more generally and of the American left, of, of the socialist left in particular in your comments. And of course, I'm sympathetic to that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and, and the left, you know, just to remind ourselves, the left watched with complacency as Alex Jones and Milo Yiannopoulos and one right-wing person after another was canceled, mm -hmm. right? And it was happening before in subtle ways. Mm-hmm. But now you see anti-war news outlets and voices being canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you see whatever. You know, you well, know. look, you see like the Russia Today being Praise barred, hmm? right? You see Russia Today being barred from RT being barred. I mean, that's um, that is an infringement upon my free speech rights and free and right to to my to to think, because it's saying, oh, we don't trust you to hear what a foreign 
adversary, say, has to say about the, the war that's going on. You, as an American citizen, don't have the right to interpret right. the world uh, as an individual for yourself. We will impose our understanding upon you, um, is what's being said there. Um, right. And, and we would say, you know, as socialists, but liberals would also be able to say this, have, it's where it comes from, mm-hmm. is that our society is expressed in its sovereignty through various states, but our social relations are inherently cosmopolitan, inherently, you know, we, you know, it's not that we want to hear the Russian point of view, right? right? It's that we're in society with Russians, right? We're in social relations with Ukrainians, right? Our critique of the American state may flow from that, right? It We do not accept a notion, you know, a, a, a crude and narrow notion of national self-interest, mm-hmm. right? As, as leftist, um, you know, that is, a, that is the right using nationalism to suppress us. And that's, you know, there's a long history of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are you, are you good defenders of the fatherland or not? You know, mm-hmm. you, you have to reject that question. Uh, you, have, you have to say, no, I'm in solidarity with our enemies. And I mean, I'm in solidarity with what you call our enemies. And in fact, you are my enemy. Right. Right. Those, you know, so our internationalism is really rooted in the nature of society itself. It's not like a moral gesture of like relationship to the other. We're already in relationship with the right. Right. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. We're right. already we're already one people in a way of right. in, made up of in, free individuals. And our task is to you know, organize, self-organize. A lot of your conversations about the Ukraine war are really inspired by this, where you keep coming back to this question of, you know, why aren't we, you know, why isn't capitalism at peace? Right. Why doesn't, you know, why do we keep having these wars? Since you would think that capitalism would flourish through change, through through exchange and trade, and we're already in relation to one another, and why is that cosmopolitanism consistently undermined and practiced by a world at war, right? So it's mm-hmm. those kinds of questions, you know, flow from that understanding. Of- when I when I ask that question to people, I have my own kind of answers in the back of my head as to why, but I want to hear from them as socialists, like what is what is. How are they thinking about that problem? Why? Why? You're really it? asking the question of, of how you know you're asking the question of, of, of the crisis of bourgeois society, mm-hmm. right? That's what right. you're asking. You're you're you know because from a bourgeois perspective, war is just a crime committed by princes and you know by kings and princes against the people of the world, who right? Are, who are naturally always already at peace with one another. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, and this gets back to the question of, of, of revolution, right, which is that, you know, revolution, you know, especially when you talk about violent revolution, um, you know, that is a violation of, of, of the bourgeois peace. Right. 
Um, and, you know, and, and the, you know, the, the peaceful social relations that are ongoing in civil society, politics itself is constantly putting, pitting society at war and society, of course, is in a state of contradiction and it's permeated by the state and, and by war. Um, but, you know, we do, you know, we, we do want as, you know, how does a socialist understand revolution? Right. It's an, it is not just an appeal to a radical impulse. A revolution is an appeal to a conservative impulse, right? Socialists will succeed and have to the extent that they've ever succeeded. They will succeed by claiming that they will save society from the prevailing lawlessness and chaos, Right. Oh, right. right. Absolutely. But I want to, I want to. That's wanna, a conservative appeal, right? Right. And that's the way that socialists have always proceeded. Like, let's take the liberals at their word. Let's say that we have free speech. Let's say that we have the right to organize and to assemble and to engage in propaganda and to engage in civil association and to demonstrate, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And let's let them show their lawlessness. I, I think that the right. word radical Rather is than asserting like violent yeah. overthrow. That's where I was like balking at that language is like, I think the word radical is a little bit misunderstood because from my perspective, and I think it, what it really means is to go to the root of something. Sure. It doesn't mean militant or extreme. It means to go to the root. Well, we can't ignore that old street fighting man, new left notion. Yeah. You're going to go out there and you're going to mix it up with the man and we're going to fight the cops and, you know, all of right. this stuff. Right. right? But, if, but we can say if we, we take the kids, definition. Like, yeah. No. Right. Don't get right. Your, don't get yourself. Don't get your head cracked by a billy club. Oh, absolutely. It isn't going to make you. You know, it's not going to radicalize you. It's just going to hurt. Right. But we can say what radical means is to go to the root, which could mean. And actually, if we could do it, would mean that we would be able to conserve the best aspects of our society. We could conserve the kind of peace that is only kind of vaguely understood that exists between the people of the world presently, that we'd be able to conserve a society that would function, that would be, could produce wealth and uh, freedom um, by going to the root of the difficulties that we have. But I want to go back to something else you said. Just to say, what do we mean by that? It's because capitalism is a disintegration of society. Right, yeah, because of the in, because of the internal contradictions yep. within the the material basis of it. But there's a, I want to go back to you said you know I I I raised the 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 uh, issue of of force when I was talking on the mag on the magazine show the Subversion right. magazine show. But what I was doing was I, quoting Liz Cheney, I think, who was quoting the law, and the law in the United States is if two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the government of the United of the United States or to levy war against them or to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. So that that that's a change in the use of force there to to to, to use force that's to delay. A, that's a dubious law. Yeah. Obviously 
when or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be fined or imprisoned not more than twenty years or both. So now, so my my uh, uh, thought here is that you, the first of all, you can have laws against the use of force and against uh, disruption and against yeah. theft. And to add on that these things went done in the service of a political uh, movement to change the form of government shouldn't include that shouldn't bring any further penalty than the, the violations of the original laws themselves. That's that. So I was not arguing that we should have the right to use force or to steal or uh, to um, to well, disrupt I mean, necessarily. Uh, as I was saying before, I mean, when Liz Cheney gets together with, you know, her fellow members of the Republican Party and she thinks about winning the 2024 election mm. uh, and you know, winning the White House for the Republicans, she is thinking about the overthrow of the government. Right. That is what's ha- going to happen. And mm. and so that's why the law is sketchy. Right. Because we don't. Imagine the permanent existence of the state. We imagine that the civilian population is going to express its will by instituting a new government um, Mm -hmm. routinely, right? It's an institutionalized part of our so-called liberal democratic order, even though that phrase is an expression of a contradiction, not of a state. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I I agree that... um, you know, there is all kinds of illiberal stuff that, you know, we, we're constantly super adding to the law, mm-hmm. right? It's like saying, like talking about hate crimes or, yeah. terror, or terrorism laws, like mm-hmm. murder's murder. I, I don't need to, all I need to know is that you meant to do it. It doesn't really make a difference why you meant to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether it was because you hated someone's race or you didn't like the clothes that they wore or because they were sleeping with your wife or whatever, as far as I'm concerned, it should just all be the same law. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, um, and, and, and terrorism is the same kind of thing. And really, you know, what we're talking about here is the slippage, right? What are we really talking about in 2022? We're talking about a political establishment that includes Liz Cheney and therefore some Republicans and Democrats trying to taint the political action of the people as terrorist, right? Mm -hmm. That's really what's happening. And, you know, that's where we have to talk about what actually happened on January 6th. Right. Right. Let's do that in just a moment. But I want to say, just to confirm what you're saying, that, what is informing my approach to this question of the January 6th hearings is precisely the politics that developed in me after the attacks of 9-11, after, during the war on terror and the way in which civil liberties were undermined uh, at that time for people who were uh, foreign nationals uh, rather than U.S. citizens for to a large extent, although not exclusively, but um, and you know, it's one I, of the places where you know our, you know, th- there's a complacent notion uh, that is rampant among the so-called left that you know socialism that that we're experiencing a renaissance of the left today mm-hmm. in the, in the wake of of 
Bernie Sanders. But if you look at who's defending the rights of the accused against you know, vast abuses by the state, mm-hmm. we were much better off during you know, after 9-11 Mm-hmm. than we are now. You won't hear one liberal or one leftist talking about, yes, the right-wing nut jobs who are rotting in those prisons in Washington, D.C. Under you'll, hear, you'll, hear hmm? you'll hear at least two. There's two of us right here, and there are others who have spoken And there's Clint Greenwald. Right. And, you know, and after, after it's not in Jacobin, goddamn, and that's the point. Well, right? the left isn't talking about it. They say Glenn Greenwald's right wing. Well, I don't know if Jacobin says that all the time exclusively. They're kind of eclectic, but but there's um, not it's one word in Jacobin magazine about the hundreds of people who have been charged, you know, with you know, in a in a vastly overheated environment talking about you know, the killing of or raping of AOC and the overthrow of the government, you know, all of this just complete bullshit, right, as far as, like, reality is concerned. Yeah, these people are nuts in their right wing, but there isn't a threat. There, there wasn't a threat of the overthrow of the government or whatever. Some people trespassed and maybe they, you know, paraded in the Capitol or you know, they, they did other things, but, you know, as far as, you know, a lot of these people have been in pretrial detention for more than a year. Nobody says anything. Right. Right. And it's right after, right after January 6th, there was um, an effort made by the state and the airlines to uh, stop people who had participated in the protests on January 6th from flying home. Um, They created a no fly list. Right. Um, And, uh, I do remember that there were people on the left, like Ben Burgess, I think was one of them, who objected based on their memory of the no-flies lists that were around after 9-11 and how that was unconstitutional and how it was unjustified and how corrupt those lists became or were from the outset. And, I, and you know, look, when I went to the Platypus Affiliated Society um, convention the, for, for the first time in Chicago this year, uh, Conrad, who'd come, you know, uh, from France to be there, was Conrad. detained. Yeah. yeah, Conrad Hamilton was detained by Homeland Security based on his the, the literature in his bag and his, his honest uh, depiction of what he was going to be doing there, which was going to a Marxist conference. They, right. they, they set him aside. Um, and that was result of the laws that were passed and the rules that were put into place, you know, 20 years earlier, uh, after nine 11, that, that was why they could well, take a Marxist. You know, and put him aside. You know, obviously nine 11 was a, a vicious attack on, on, on civil society. Oh, sure. You know, thousands of people went to work and they got killed. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the state is a block, you know, and, and, and by the way, there was therefore a reason for congressional hearings and an in congressional investigation. The 9-11 commission, unlike this January 6th commission, mm-hmm. had a goddamn purpose. 
Yeah, but the point Which is, was, even uh, after an attack, the executive an- branch, the executive branch mm-hmm. failed to prevent this terrorist attack, and mm-hmm. they, and therefore the Congress had to haul these bureaucrats in in front of it and say, "How'd you fuck up so monumentally?" Right, right, right. Whereas now the executive branch is full on, you know attacking, you know, arresting people, building cases. There's absolutely no reason for the Congress to engage in this oversight over the executive because the executive is their party. It's the same party doing both things. So the, there's no reason for the goddamn commission to exist at all, right? Mm-hmm. Just let the law be enforced. You've got, yeah. you know, there's no reason why anyone would believe that the law's not being enforced. I mean, they but, might... Bring Nancy Pelosi up if you're looking for fuck ups and, you know, to investigate incompetence, you might bring Nancy Pelosi up, who I think it was in charge of the Capitol Police that day. You might ask, you know, why were we underprepared? Well, the whole issue of like the expansion of the Capitol Police and now the Capitol Police are going to open offices everywhere there's a congressman, Mm -hmm. which is to say they're going to become another national police force. Mm -hmm. But but they're somehow under the Congress. Mm-hmm. Right. This is seriously constitutionally dubious. Right. How can your legislator arrest you? Right. No, that's the power. That's the power of the executive. It's not the power. Well, of that's the, what I'm saying. I get the, so they are. You know, they just took this January 6th event as an occasion to just shred. You know, not only like people's rights. But, you know, the wider understanding of it, to sow all kinds of discon- dis- uh, confusion about it. And that's why I point to like Jacobin or something, you know, or other, you know, not all leftist outlets. You know, there are older sectarian outlets that are much clearer about this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Democrats are, are really out of hand with this stuff. And they are attacking base, you know, it, what the conservatives say is true. Right. They are saying that if you believe that the election was stolen, that you are engaged in some kind of domestic terrorism. And this is nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Right. Absolutely nuts. We don't trust them to count the votes. We know that these elections are rigged. Socialists have always known that elections are rigged. And there's historical examples of party machines throwing elections, even at the presidential election. In 1960, John F. Kennedy was elected because Mayor Daley threw Illinois for Kennedy. And everybody knows that it was corrupt. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, this I mean, happened. yeah, you don't have I mean, to go back that far. People are right. But it's not. I mean, Quite frankly, you can believe that the earth is flat. You can believe that the moon is made of cheese. You can believe anything you want without having to face the thought police. That's right. But yeah, you, so the, this is ahead. what I wanted to say is that we have a that what we're dealing with right now and what we're dealing with in the law, in the sedition law, I think is the the creation of a thought crime um, and that, that that can't be accepted. But the other thing I'll say is that you know, we don't have to go back to 1960. And even the idea that Mike Pence could have refused to certify the election mm-hmm. 
or even the act of refusing to certify the election is not an act of insurrection. He would have to have given a statement why he's not doing it. It would have gone to the courts. There would have been a, he would have said, well, I don't think that we really counted these votes in wherever Pennsylvania and Michigan and Arizona. And there would have had to have been a bigger discussion about it. The government wouldn't have fallen. The continuity of the enforcement of the law wouldn't have fallen. Society wouldn't have you know, fallen into chaos. Mm-hmm. It, would have, it would have just been yet another act of, you know, it, it's like, it, it's like when the, you know, right now the, the Democrats are passing a law for red flag laws. They're passing a red flag law to say that, you know, your ex-boyfriend can say that you're crazy and the cops can come and get your guns. And in living memory, like day before yesterday, or I think 2021, the Supreme Court voted nine to zero that red flag laws are unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And yet the Democrats are flying in the face of the law. They're flying in the face of the Supreme Court. And they're demagogically asserting the right of the people to make this law because, you know, they're not throwing out norms or undermining our system of government. Mm -hmm. They're conducting politics. Mm -hmm. Right. They're conducting politics. And that's what happened in the 2000 election with all. I was just going to say, like, you know, and and it's a fucking mess. We don't have to go back to 1960 to look for a moment where it would seem very likely that there was some corruption in the way that the votes were counted. The 2000 election is a more current, a more recent example. And um, you can find something a moment in that process, which is very reminiscent of January 6th. It was the, the Brooks brothers riots at the, uh, where they were counting the votes in Florida. they sent the, the Bush uh, campaign sent a bunch of their boys over to to like kick and punch and bite as they as well as they could to stop intimidate. the recount. Yeah. yeah, to intimidate the the uh, workers there and to stop the recount of the vote. Right. And, and they and they succeeded in that, right? Well, you know, it's a complex strategy, right? They succeeded in postponing it. And then the courts weighed in, you know, and ultimately, you know, Bush v. Gore was decided. But what if Bush v. Gore had been decided the other way? Right. It could have Mm -hmm. gone the other way. And what would they have been saying? They would have been saying, well, we're going to have to postpone the certification of the election. We're not prepared to count the Electoral College votes yet. We might even have to postpone the inauguration because we can't install a new president until every vote is counted they you know that could have been said mm-hmm. right and we won't tolerate you know the intimidation of people counting those votes and we are going to you know provide guidelines to make sure that neither party you know that the journalists are overseeing it or you mm-hmm. know all kinds of things can happen in politics right the democrats are acting like and you know what's really going on in these january 6 hearings is that if they had delayed the certification of the election, that the sky would have fallen. Or if the, because what was Trump trying to do? He was trying to insist on the votes being recounted. Now, I'm not at all interested in 
And I don't, I just don't know. And we have to say that nobody knows really what happened because our journalists aren't interested. Yeah, that's the other thing that really They're bugged me interested. about. So I remember the night, the, the night of the election, there was this moment where Trump uh, stood up and said, you know, uh, the, the, the votes have suddenly flipped and things are, we're going to compress on. And there's at this moment, I'm, I'm, there's no way that statistically or mathematically I can lose. Um, and uh, they cut in on him. The news people cut in on him, didn't let him get to the end of what he was saying and said, no, 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 he's wrong. Uh, and, and, you know, he's brewing discontent and he's lying and, and they cl clearly, this was on CNN, but they clearly had an agenda to uh, undermine Trump's claims rather than do what they would have done 20 years earlier with Bush or Gore, which was let them make the claims and then investigate them and, and determine the validity of them through a more, at least seemingly impartial process. When he went out to contest these uh, uh, ca vote counts, and and you know bring uh, the 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 uh, the issue up in courts. The coverage was of like Rudy Giuliani looking ridiculous, or the most extreme people in the Trump campaigns, rather than the 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 best cases that were being made in the courts and the reasons for those cases being cast aside. We weren't given a, a enough of information. We weren't. It was not taken to be a serious process so, right yeah. and the election you know and, and this is the seed of you know and again you know the worst thing they could have done to trump was take him absolutely seriously and treat him like a real politician and follow the process as if he's a serious statesman then that that would have meant that would have brought sunlight to the process instead they they, they let him be a carnival barker and they turned into carnival barkers themselves they turned into showmen and propagandists themselves and, it and our, became... our concern is how, you know, I, mean, I guess my concern is how the left got hoodwinked by becoming Democrats, right? That, you know, and this is why I, you know, and again, it's not about like criticizing our friends and comrades, mm. like as being individual dupes or something like that. It's that, you know, what are objectively speaking from 30,000 feet looking at, you know, ourselves as, you know, looking at the behavior of the rats in the cage, right. Mm -hmm. um, what happened when you, when the left dissolved into the democratic party via the Bernie campaign, mm. right. It, we, it, it's the total, it, it's the absolute end of the idea, especially that there's an independent left. Now, the the end of the death of the independent left has been going on for a very, very long time, mm. right? But it and, and I don't at all want to um, romanticize the you know the barrenness of the left before, but there was an opportunity, I would argue, to at least re boot the project of an independent left and that would require all sorts of things in society like journalists acting a lot more responsibly mm. like the aclu upholding its mandate 
rather than becoming another wing of the Democratic Party. Right. All the, all the loss of the independence of so many of these institutions uh, has been aided and abetted by the liquidation, the, the kind of deliberate, celebrated liquidation in the name of relevance of the left. And and so, you know, we are looking at, you know, if you were really indifferent mm-hmm. to the Republicans and the Democrats, if you were really indifferent and you said, look, you know, this is capitalist politics and we're going to try to conduct politics in a whole other way for a whole other purpose, right? Then um, you would be in a position to say, like, look, this election is rigged because they didn't report on Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. And, and you wouldn't be right wing in saying right. Right. They I mean, the the conservatives are being gifted this notion that they're the only ones that dissent from the prevailing order because they are the ones who are, by and large, being silenced by Facebook and by Twitter and that they are shut out of the universities and they are shut out of the intellectual class as a whole, really. And mm-hmm. right. And it's absurd because, um, you know, what you end up getting, of course, it, it are the Democrats lionizing the worst Republicans like Liz Cheney. Like Donald Trump is not the worst Republican. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, really Trump represented you know, he represented change and he represented democracy. I mean, that's that's why they hate him. I'm not saying he represented change and he represented democracy and he represented the working class. I don't think that. But that's why the Democrats hate him. <laughs> they right. hate him because he brought all these new voters and he generated all this new energy. And people are talking about like what it means to be American and what it means to be patriotic. And we have to have policies that, you know, we we have to end the endless wars and Washington is a swamp, right? These are all sound instincts, of course, uh, but they're completely, you know, betrayed by Trump, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I want to start here from like this election was sound and these it's, it's a conspiracy theory. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's really, you know, where is the left talking about that, right? What you get with, you know, the, how, how do you pronounce his name? Bronco Marsevich or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name and you hear this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but the person who's written in Jacobin about January 6th is he'll just say, well, you know, the Democrats aren't doing enough to eliminate the social conditions that lead to far right wing you know, if we had more of a welfare state and we had more mental health facilities and we had, you know, uh, universal health care, you know, there wouldn't be all these right wing people. There wouldn't be these mass shootings. Yeah, that's that's complete. I mean, that's not it's total, I, mean, I, I, I have sympathy for right? that in a way. I have sympathy for that in a way because I said something similar in the mass in my video essay on mass shootings, but I didn't mean it like we needed the welfare state or we need um, more mental health facilities. Obviously I meant something different when I was talking about 
the kind of nihilism that's arising from the disintegration of, of society through capitalism. No, I, I, mean, I, I thought yeah. you were clear about that. Yeah, yeah. But there was an echo of that in the Jacobin line. It's an echo of that radical critique in the Jacobin line, but it's not quite there. But the, but the, for me, you can't start with, oh, well, these people who, these QAnon people who believe that the election was rigged are, are a symptom of the disintegration of capitalism. We don't know that. In fact, the, the impulse to want to have the, all of the information you can have and to listen to sources outside of the mainstream and to, uh, you know, look for transparency and to start with the premise that the elections could be rigged and might very well have been rigged. That's not uh, a crazy position to start from. That is like what a, a good citizen would start with. They, they, they have the right to the, that information. Um, and what yeah. I would say that the big failure of the, the media, again, during the, the process was that they, they did not pro- try to provide clarity and transparency to the process. They instead tried to enforce a line. So uh, when it came to any of Trump's claims about the election, they would start from the, from the initial premise being that he was lying, that he was a mis- it was misinformation, that he was a propagandist, and they wouldn't investigate the details or reveal or go spend the time to look at the details of the case. And there was like, a, there was one example. Yeah, they also, you know, they weren't interested. Um, I mean, you know, some people were, you know, again, like someone like Glenn Greenwald or Jimmy Dore, I guess, you know, but for the most part, people weren't interested in the monumental lie that was Russiagate. Oh, right. Right. And they say, they say like Donald Trump's lying. I'm like, it's nothing like that. Right. To say mm-hmm. that, um, you know, Detroit and Philadelphia are run by Democrats and the people that they're getting to count the votes are putting their fingers on the scales. That's not insane. You know, no. that, that's not like the Manchurian candidate, you know, the bank accounts and the P tape and, you know, like. Right. That like that was normalized amongst people. I mean, you know, leftists kept their mouth shut around their liberal friends, and they half believed it. You know, I so, remember that I did run a few episodes of the podcast where I was very. I had people on who were Russiagate skeptics, but I didn't focus on it. But uh, listen, we right, we're no, about. I'm not, we're, I'm not. I'm not criticizing you. I mean, no, no. Just when we give like with Jacobin, right? There's a. They have a a podcast, and they brought on you know Jen Pan, who I, she's you know very very nice. She she hosts that show, does a good job. Uh, she interviews a guy named Will Sommer, and you know the whole discussion is like, well, what do we do with these nutty right wing people? And you know it literally does like, and, and this is Sommer, not not her. It, it literally lands on, you know, we need to put these people on welfare and, you know, they'll be fine. Like we need to expand, like we need to build back better. And it just, it, it really misses the discontent. You know, people don't want to just be warehoused. No, I know. Listen, we're, know? We're, we're at an hour. Let's, let's okay. stay right here. That this is where we're going to stop for the public 
and let's continue on for another half an hour, 45 minutes for, for the patrons to talk about okay. this in a more informal way. We've been talking about it this pretty informally so far.